Sasswa is a podcast about Bigfoot. It's recorded for the skeptics, the believers, the knowers, and those who just have a casual interest in the subject. For more information, visit sasswa.com. This is Sasswat, a show about Bigfoot. I'm I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm joined tonight by my pal, Mark Matsky. Hello there. And his pal and mine, Andy Matsky. Hi. And we are recording live tonight. We're coming in hot. Look at this. Coming in hot. A show. Have we ever done a show, uh, like an actual show together? We've done shows at events. Yes, we have done... Fisher's Pub, which is together. It was our own event that we created on the spot. I'm selfieing while we're doing this. That's how. It's crazy. There's all sorts of things we can do. <laughs> That's how real this is. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this is episode 99 of Sasswat, and well, 100's in the bag, and we'll be coming up next week. Yeah, it's been fermenting for some time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't drink it while driving. <laughs> don't listen while driving. Um, I just have to say it's very surreal to be sitting in this room that I've only glimpsed from a computer um, little camera thing, and now I'm sitting here. It's like a oh, I don't know. It's really special. I can tell you're you feel moved. I do. I do. I, if you have a Kleenex handy, I can weep openly. Oh, I thought you were going to dust. <laughs> <laughs> There's some a lot of dirt in here. This office is filthy because it's coming off of a editing binge that's been going on since July or June. Well, I mean, we started so so boggy. We got back from from Falk in at the end of April or beginning of May. It was like May 1st, wasn't it? Right at the beginning of May? Very end of April. Okay, very yes. end of April. And that next month, May, was mostly cataloging footage. I sent you interviews. You started doing transcriptions. Yeah. It was like all this pre-production stuff. And then we had very little editing going on from May until June. And then beginning of July, I started editing pretty pretty heavy. I was I was it wasn't okay. So it wasn't super heavy. It was editing, though. There was editing going on. So then what happened? This is the true inside story to, yes. to why Boggy is out <laughs> and, and, and all that stuff. Um, in August, I want to say it was August. I'm going to have been late July. In August, my wife told me she was pregnant. And I was like, I better, <laughs> better edit, all, edit Boggy before this baby yeah. shows up and my wow. life becomes chaos. So... Um, so I knew the movie needed to be out before 2017 because I wanted to get it out. And so we could start working on something else t- at the beginning of 2017. And the reason is, sorry, I can't even belt. I, I'm like burping on air. That's how, <laughs> that's how real this is. Um, the, the, the reason is I, I thought, and I still think, I'm not sure if it'll happen, but my thinking was we could get one more movie in before this baby shows up. Um, so I started editing really heavily editing beginning of august had a rough cut done by late august and from there everything else was really starting to 
polish the movie and find the voice and all that. I'll tell you the um, the final scene of the movie, the uh, where Lyle's walking around, mm-hmm. that was in the in the rough cut back in August. I mean that, and it really didn't change. Like it was. I mean, I think we might have swapped out one or two shots for another shot, but it was pretty much that scene with that Ryan helped or whatever that guy's name is, Ryan Taupert or whatever that song playing over mm-hmm. that scene that scene was that way from the beginning so that was always going to end on like this really emotional beat so anyway um so yeah for those that haven't listened to Sasswell lately we I'm having a baby I'm pregnant Woo-hoo. this is a real junior situation <laughs> <laughs> um and Mark and Andy are living the dream Doing, That's right. Doing whatever Matskis do. Oh my gosh! Yeah. With that that last shot, was that something? Was that like um, directed, or did you just have the camera on him while he was walking around? So it's always weird to go to behind the scenes because, um, because you, especially in the Bigfoot community, and we talk about this on the next episode, mm-hmm. there, there are some people that will turn everything you say into a weapon to use against you. So I'll say that that last scene, originally Lyle told me, why don't you just shoot me walking around the house? Originally, mm-hmm. I was just walking around the house with the camera, and I shot that. So there's actually two versions of this. And Lyle said, why don't you shoot me walking around the house? And I will fully admit, I was very leery of doing that it just didn't feel to me like a small town monsters movie to shoot someone out you know like for, it almost felt staged or something mm-hmm. but it really wasn't staged he hadn't spent a ton of time walking around the house or anything he basically all i did is i was like fine walk and he w- walked around the house and i followed him with the gimbal and so what you see in the movie is what was shot it wasn't like i was like now look here or do that you know like it was right. it was all just him doing his thing and there was no sense that you know like there's no closing narration or anything. So when we came around right. the side of the house where the back is tur- tore out and the windows out and he yeah. stands there, uh, I started to hear the narration in my head. Okay. And then I was like, okay, this might actually work as a closing shot. And the reason I started thinking that is because I realized we were essentially shooting a remake of the final scene of legend of boggy Creek where the kid comes home in fact, Lyle wanted to almost do a recreation of that scene, except inside the Cersei house. I go in the Cersei house. I was like, "Let's. This is much more organic. Let's do this." But that was after the fact. He was gonna like after we had shot this. But I knew we had the ending of the movie when I panned up because it just like I could hear the narration ending, and then the music swelling, and then the camera panning up, and mm-hmm. so that was all gimbal shot and get that really nice, like smooth yeah. upturn shot into the sky or whatever. Right. We could have given Lyle some horn rim glasses and yeah. the old barn jacket. Yeah. We could have done the full recreation. There, there is a very subtle nod to, to legend of boggy Creek. Not just it, it, the whole movie is a nod to boggy Creek, but the beginning of the movie, him talking about his youth and growing up around Falk and all that, it's it harkens back to the Legend of Boggy Creek bookend, and it bookends very mm-hmm. similar. The difference here is that Lyle's also narrating the entire movie, you know, throughout the entire movie. Which there's the kid narrates Legend of Boggy Creek too, but like this is I don't know, it's a little more overt. And then Lyle shows up on camera, but 
he's got that line too. I put that line at the end about, I want to hear the creature's mournful cry for myself. Right. Um, so it all calls back. It's all a callback to the legend of Boggy Creek. Um, so a, that was a, so for the, for those that don't know, we should probably explain. We're talking about Boggy Creek monster, which is the the third small town monsters movie. And I just showed it to Mark and Andy Matsky. We introduced ourselves, right? No, yeah. no. Yeah, we did. Didn't yeah, we? we did. Did we? We did. Yeah, we did. At yeah, the beginning, we did. Right before I started doing audio check. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so we just watched the movie for the first time. What did you think of the movie? Not to put you on the spot because you're literally sitting here. And also, this time you guys made the movie. For the record, they helped make the movie. That was pretty trippy. Yeah. Because I knew because you had sent me a screenshot, I knew we were in the end credits. But when we saw our names in the the beginning credits, it was just like a, you know, jaw drop moment yeah. for me. No, we've always you know seen the small town monsters movies. We've been around them while they've been made. But to be a truly a part of this one was amazing. I have to say, and it affected the way I saw the film. I mean, yeah, you can't you, help you not. Can't not, yeah. Because I sifted through those interviews yep. one by one, and I knew what it's a almost lot of a them shame. Said. It really is, in a way, a shame. Like you wish you were. I wish I was someone different, and I could yeah. watch these movies because I, I don't really have this one. I had a. I got some. Oh man, I hate being the guy that's like I got goosebumps on my own movie. Yeah, but like I did. I did think that that ending scene worked really well. Like that's probably the only thing I've ever done. As far as, like, one scene where I was like, that came together perfect. Like, mm-hmm. where Lyle's walking around the house and we're talking. And the narration goes real well there. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the thing that I really like, you know, it pulls in the movie in a really cool way. Um, I thought that it was very clear. I mean, the, the, the storytelling and the points that you were making are very clear, easy to follow. The cinematography was great. You know, you've been down there and you hear the ice crunch when you walk across the... No, the, um, just it's it's a really beautiful movie. It, it, it certainly took us back to being there and like even seeing the bugs flying around in some yeah. cases. During John's... John yeah. John Attaway like, seen there everywhere. Yeah, I don't know. I um, the Smoky Crabtree narration was awesome, and it was just great. It was great to see it all come together, and it it pays tribute to the movie. And I love the Charles Pierce photos and the stills from the yeah. production of that. But it also you know makes the wider point that this is an ongoing phenomena, and I think the thing that I really I'm going to be thinking about is how the people were, were affected by their sighting that really comes out in yeah. this movie. Yeah. So when I watched it, cause I want to know what you thought in a second, but when I watched it, I did give it one final watch before I sent it off the ISO file. And again, this is one of those things where I caught there's, and people pointed out people that have watched it since there's, there's faults, there's things like little things that are technical things that I will be fixing for future DVD printings and things like mm-hmm. that. Cause it's like any movie you make, but, um, I watched it one final time. Sun, uh, was it Sunday night? It would have been, it might've been Monday night. 
It might have been Monday night of this past week. This past week was chaos. Um, no, I think it was Sunday night. So Sunday night, I watched it one final time before I started the ISO or the um, the DVD burn, like the big burn to the export that would go on the DVD. And um, it was at 3 a.m. I started it. And I'm sitting in here and I've got headphones on. And um, that window was open. And you could, there's nothing going on outside. There's no cars driving up and down my street. And and it felt, it was real weird. It felt really scary to me, that movie. Like, there's just, but Brandon's, I hadn't watched it with Brandon's score under it. So that was the first time. I was just making sure. And I was fixing little things here and there. But for the most part, I was just sitting here watching it. And there were, that was the first time I think I've had that experience where I did actually manage to disconnect myself and not watch it as like the guy that was making it. Um, one of the guys that was making it, but like watching it, that'll probably be the only time I'm ever able to do that. And I think that was only cause it was so late at night and I was so tired Yeah. <laughs> and, but I was able to watch it through and be like, Oh, okay. So like, I forget where I was going with that. There was actually a point I was going to make beyond just watching it. But anyway, it, yeah, the, the, the whole having it completed is very odd. I did want to point out something. There was a horror society did like a review for it. Did you read it? Yes. That yes. guy said we had $20,000 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the, um, I wish we'd had 20,000 <laughs> and the digital filmmaker article that, that, that also made mention of the budget. And I think I was the one that said the budget, but you know, we sat down and figured what the actual budget strictly for production of the film, strictly for gear, and travel expenses and that stuff, it's like six or seven thousand dollars because we we were so strict on what was mm-hmm. going on. And people that donated to the Kickstarter back to Kickstarter are probably like, well, where'd the rest of the money go? The rest of the money goes into Kickstarter rewards, which take up a great deal of that money, and then paying certain people involved in the production right. who have been working on these small town monsters movies for essentially free for a mm-hmm. while so when it was all said and done i i bet well we did buy some i'd say seven thousand dollars like seven seventy five hundred dollars it's crazy and and i think we made a movie that looks like something that you would see on tv yeah and i can say that is one good thing about this one is i can say that because i wasn't the one shooting at all it was the interviews look the way they do because of zach and for sure, and they take up the bulk of the movie. You know, the some of the stuff. This this one's different too because you got those handheld. The handheld interviews look so wonky or whatever. It's is we'd never used a gimbal to shoot before. We're doing like one camera setups. My favorite looking interview in the whole movie is Doyle's at the end. I think that mm-hmm. interview looks so good with sunsetting behind them right. it's just blowing the sky out but it's doing it in a way like it doesn't look we've we've had overexposed shots in our movies before and it was a train wreck and this is like this weird magic thing that happened where like the sky's totally blown out in the background and it looks freaking amazing yeah. it's like it's like it's like the background has caught fire and is melting or something like yeah i've heard people ask you if that was a intentional yeah. is that your style the blown out sky i'm just gonna start saying yeah yeah yes it is yeah, yeah. as a matter of fact check it out on doyle's interview but that interview looks so cool because we had three interview or we had three cameras going 
and it switches back and forth between the three cameras. And then I also did this thing in this one a lot where I was like changing the perspective and all that kind of stuff. So what's Andy Matsky's review for the movie? I have to say it was absolutely amazing. I love every bit of it. And I love moments in the movie where it's like, oh, I remember being there. Or, oh, I remembered when they were filming that shot. It was just amazing, you know. I was, I've always been wondering, it's like, oh, how would that turn out? And it, it's been amazing. And just to see the interviews, I haven't seen a lot of the interviews, truly. And to see those, that was cool. And the way, you know, the B-roll that we filmed also with that, that the way it came together was amazing. And I love the opening. We've been talking about the end, which is also amazing. But the opening, I thought, was the Lyle's narration part mm-hmm. at the beginning and then the credits. Yeah, I'm the really, credits. I'm were, really proud of the credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coolest credit sequence I've seen, I in, think, in, in a movie. movies. Oh, in, in any movie. In pretty much, yeah. In a movie. In, in a, a movie. movie. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, big, we got to give props to, um, part of that is due to two companies. One is Rampant Design, who created the film blowouts that I stuck in there, which are like, you might not have even seen them sometimes, but... Um, there's moments in the movie where it looks like you see film grain and then things will pop or like throw off or like look at it like the, the cameras come off the reel and stuff like mm-hmm. that. That's a, a film uh, effect by Rampant Design that's actually shot and it's getting like real hot in this room. <laughs> that's so the way they do their design work, this is going to be like the nerdiest episode of SAS. We're probably already losing all the Bigfoot people. Um, the way they do their, their, a lot of their effects we have some presets too that are actually in a, in adobe but this was like for the most part they shoot stuff on 4k film and then you buy those effects already done on 4k film and then you overlay it you can overlay it in adobe which for me was i couldn't use after effects or my computer was going to die like we bought a whole new laptop for this movie and it still could barely handle wow everything we were trying to do yeah so um so Rampa Design did the the fog effects, the smoke effects yeah. that we used. They did the the film stuff. We have a whole set of effects I didn't even get to use in the movie. Once at the very beginning, you see you actually see what looks like the film reel running down the right mm-hmm. right hand side. Real quick, that's one of those effects. The ink effect that's over the lower thirds, the names. That's a that's a Rampa Design effect. And then the other big company that we have, I mean, the movie looks how it does the color wise because of Magic Bullet and that Magic Bullet suite, Red Giant. Um, and then the other thing, they also make a uh, program you can subscribe to called Universe, Red Giant Universe. And a lot of the like film, um, anytime you see like the camera start shaking or something, you know, like especially during the effects where like the camera will shake real quick and stuff like that, that's Red Giant. Um, universe. It's, I think I think it's just called like camera shake or something. And then I used a distort thing from there. And then everything else is just Adobe effects. So there, but there are a boatload of effects on this movie. Like it's one of the reasons the computer was dying. Like mm-hmm. every shot has three or four effects on it. Like it's either there's a color layer or there's like I'm doing warp stabilizer on a lot of stuff. There's there's so much going on yeah like in the lynn crabtree sequence yeah there's like the fog effect used on that that just 
that sequence was really I'm really happy. Really cool. That's uh, I think that is one of the highlights of the movie because of Matt cuz like that's the best. I think the stuff Matt did for this movie is the best stuff he's done. His um I stuck it in that little 15 second TV thing I did. The shot of the creature looking in the window with the red eyes mm-hmm. is so creepy. Um, and to zoom in on that makes it even more unnerving because like the eyes are so red against that black and white and he used black and white in this one which he hadn't done in our other movies and um, someone told me Brandon compared it to some video game like the style it's it's Matt's style but it just looks it looks a lot cleaner or something than the than the other two movies and I that some of that might just be the black and white that it's just a black and so it looks a little bit cleaner but there's something about it that's really awesome that i love as soon as he started sending us illustrations i was like yes because he did i didn't know what we were going to do for that crabtree the lynn crabtree scene originally i was going to cut i i figured matt would do three or four illustrations and matt did 10 illustrations for the Crabtree scene alone, and then another mm-hmm. two for the Ford sequence, or three for the Ford sequence. I can't remember, but I was like, "We're just gonna, <laughs> we're just gonna straight up stick all these in that scene and use that as the scene." And I originally was gonna like try to sneak some effects in there and do like uh, you know like blowouts and all this stuff. And then I I watched it like that. And I was like, "It's too much." So I pulled some of them out, and I was like, "It works better, but it's still too much." And the only thing that stayed in there is that fog, and then like the way the camera will pan, which is just like that Ken Burns thing. But yeah, that's I think that's the I think that's the creepiest sequence in the movie, just because the music's really creepy there, and then. It's this the the illustrations are gray, but it's also you got Smokey telling it. And what was your favorite scene in the movie? Oh, I don't know if I have one. I, there's a lot to choose from. I really like the end. How we've been talking about that, just the way it was that one, for the most part, the one camera. I really like that. The way it just sticks behind Lyle. I think that's that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Mark, what would you? You said the Crabtree scene. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. I'm going to have to see it a couple more times to really decide on a favorite scene. But I will say, you know, back to Matt's artwork for just a second. Yeah. The creature that he comes up with is really unsettling, too. Because it's very human. It's more human than it is ape like. And I, for some reason, that makes it just more creepy and weird, especially the, like, that the red eyes and he's reaching and also the one where he's sniffing the air it almost it was like almost troll hunter esque <laughs> is what it made me think of because of the the very human nose i guess but matt's amazing at the way he just pumps that stuff out and he can do a number of different styles because uh, we've seen him you know across different media He's shout out to Matt Harris. He's the he's the man. He's like a if you have if you lose one if you lose a piece of the team. Sometimes it it can make it the whole movie feel completely different. I think, and sometimes it's a good thing, and sometimes it's not a good thing. And so the big thing for me was always keeping Matt. Because I love what he did in Minerva, and I loved him from the second I saw him in Minerva, and so I wanted to make sure we had Matt. Even though, I mean, what did he do in Whitehall Three? 
he only did like two or three. He didn't have as much time on Whitehall. Mm-hmm. Of course, Whitehall is a shorter movie, but like I knew he, I, we needed to have him on this one. And the other thing about Matt, um, Matt did all the t-shirt designs for, for Boggy. And when I say all, there are, we could make an entire line of Boggy Creek Monster t-shirts because mm-hmm. he, the one that everyone sees and the one that we're putting out is like the silhouette of the creature beside the tree. But there's like, did I ever show you those? There's like, he did like 11 or 12 designs. We've really? got a, yeah, we've got a whole stack oh, of wow. them. Creek collection. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and that's not even, we also have Sam Sheeran did like his t- take on the, you know, like the, the poster. So we got to put that out eventually too. I just, I feel I always feel like we have to get that first one the like simple like silhouette shirt out because we did that with Minerva but yeah Matt Matt has been instrumental in pretty much everything we've done he also drew two of the Minerva Monster Day posters and which were awesome by the way the especially the mystery at Loch Ness yes poster um were you there when Alex saw that for yeah the first time yeah it was, he was, well he's walking over I think yeah He's cool. He's really. I just sent him. I just sent Alex off the rest of those posters yesterday, along with a Boggy Creek T-shirt. Cool. So, speaking of which, you guys, I was gonna say I was gonna give you those, but I just realized you have film crew shirts, right? Do you have? A film? He has I one. one. I don't. Remind, remind me. We'll get okay. you one. There's there. They don't say film crew on the back, but we've got we've got the new Boggy shirt downstairs. So I'll grab you one of those. Cool. But anyway, um, so yeah. The Matt is vital. We should run down. Let's just run down everyone. Cause like not yeah. run them down, but like, yeah, let's run them down. <laughs> so I'm um, game. Let's go. I gotta, I gotta start with Lyle because Lyle was the reason the movie happened in the first place. Like we probably would have gone and made Momo next. Um, I think when it's all said and done and when we make more of these small town movies, there might not be another one that feels this personal. Like I, I, I personally will probably connect with other stories and I'm sure that I will probably inevitably be emotionally attached to something maybe more than this. But as far as like the ending and like the way it begins and how it's Lyle talking about his dad and, and hunting and you know, all that kind of stuff is yours off. No. Oh, okay. I got, I saw Andy looking at his and I got paranoid. Oh, no. um, <laughs> <laughs> it's contagious. So, it is. Um, so yeah. So Lyle, if it wasn't for Lyle, I don't think the movie would have happened. And I thought his, um, we've already talked about like his research and forget screw screw all that. So like just from a movie standpoint, his narration was perfect. I thought mm-hmm. for the movie, um, very clearly tells the story. My favorite thing about it is that sometimes Lyle is seen as the the southern monster hunter right like that's how and i don't know that that's lyle putting that out there but that's how people perceive him it's like he's this you know he's like the rock and roll southern monster hunter <laughs> and the guy i met last and i've told him this i told him this when we were making the movie the guy i met last october was who i wanted on camera like i just wanted lyle just lyle and i think that was what he did with that narration was like it's just him telling you the story of boggy creek i didn't feel like he was over dramatizing it or like putting too much it wasn't exaggerated it was i thought his 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 narration start to finish was perfect the only part i had him go over the top was the very beginning when the movie opens i was like i want you to narrate this like your rod serling like just scare the crap out of people Mm -hmm. and so that's why the opening narration is like to grab you 
and then the credits are to grab you because we all know in small town monsters movies that next after the credits <laughs> that next like six minutes is going to be town history and for a lot of people that's like who cares but um you got to grab everyone in that first yeah no you're right pages. it is it is perfect i mean it's just the tone is absolutely right for the film even if he had no connection to it it would be perfect yeah. but the fact that it's him and the the legwork he's put in on all of the research is just the it carries the film so well i i really hope that he feels proud about the finished product because i think it represents him very well mm-hmm. as far as what this means to him and you know how how valued his research on Falk and uh, Jonesville monster really is because it, it would not be where it is if it wasn't for him and by the way we, we've told the story in other places I think but just Lyle being Lyle I mean Brandon and Lyle and Andy and I went out to dinner one night and was that at Chili's in Texarkana yeah. and we spent the whole entire time talking comics mm-hmm. nothing else Yeah, I mean that's just how you know down to earth and just a cool guy to hang out with and he can doesn't have to be bigfoot you know 24 7 yeah that's the great thing about that was what i wanted on camera and i think that's what came across i think it came across on camera too i think the his his part in the movie on camera is mostly just to be there to walk our witnesses through their interviews to give us a break from because it's a hour it was going to be a 90 minute movie but it's 75 minutes because i i'm i don't know it's weird as a director i love guys that make these long epics christopher nolan and 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 david lean is like my one of my all-time favorite directors Mm -hmm. i love orson wells and like these guys that make these long movies and my movies tend to be shorter like if i can help it Mm -hmm. uh in fact my biggest problem with minerva is how long it is so like this one's 75 minutes but um he was there to break up the monotony of what would have been just talking head interview after talking head Mm -hmm. interview for 75 minutes so and i think he does a great job in those interview scenes too of especially terry's because he's talking about terry's and doyle's just feel so natural to me um because terry's is very personal it's a very personal Mm -hmm. like encounter story and then Doyle's is this like kind of sprawling, ongoing thing that ties up the entire movie. Like I don't know if you noticed, but like when Doyle's interview, when I got to editing Doyle's interview, I was like, this guy ties up like all the loose threads in the movie, like juveniles, tracks, like mm-hmm. every little so roars, screams, all that stuff, and, and what it, the creature looks like. He touches on all that. So that was why all of a sudden towards the end of Doyle's interview, all these other people start coming in and talking about their aspects of theirs and how it ties into his and how the juveniles tie into Boggy Creek too. And like all that stuff. Yeah. So like Doyle's, that's why I think Doyle's is my favorite interview in the movie. It's not my, I think I've said John Attaway is my favorite interview. Just straight interview. It is Attaway. I do Mm -hmm. love Attaway and HL Phillips, but for, but as far as like a scene, I really think Doyle's great. I thought his stuff tied up the movie. Yeah, his comment about living the movie, mm-hmm. yeah. I thought was really cool. Living the movie now. Yeah. yeah. Which I made, didn't I? The making of is called Living the Legend. Living the Legend. Yeah. Um, so the, the um, I just realized, I might not have put a title card on that. Did I? 
Yes. I did do it? Yeah. yeah okay, did. good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so who else? Let's... Okay, yeah, yeah. So so Lyle, um, and then we've talked about the crew a little bit, but Zach, my friend Zach Palmasano, mm-hmm. so he shot the movie and also kept things light, I think, for me anyway, because like Zach's always had this weird ability to make me laugh no matter what. So like, and I was pretty high strung on this trip. So like, I think the way the movie looks so awesome is at least largely due to Zach because he was the director of photography. So it looks great. You got these really wide angles on everything. It feels that's what the coolest thing about it is to me, even more so than Whitehall is I think in this one, you feel like you went to, to Falk. Like if I think Mm -hmm. people are going to feel like they've gone to that place. Um, cause we, sh- we show a lot of it. Like we put you in those places and so Zach did a great job. And then, um, Brandon's score. Got to talk about Brandon's score. Sure. So the standout song to me is that one during this, uh, where they're talking about Mercer Bayou and it's, it was him. It was actually Brandon and Lyle that did the song. Um, that's a little behind the scenes for people mm-hmm. listening to this. So Brandon and Lyle actually did a song together on the, that's on the score. And I thought that was the stand. It felt very like Southern swamp to that song. So I like that song a lot. And then, uh, the banjo song that opens the movie, right. It's kind of a highlight. It is. And it hits the, the theme from the original, which mm-hmm. is just perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, that made the, the trailer sort of uh you know the fist pump moment yeah. is when the Travis Crabtree musical cue came on there that's cool the, about Zach one thing i wanted to mention is just to, how good an eye he has and stuff cuz there's the the Phillips interview in the historical society and as somebody who you know doesn't do anything with cameras and so forth if you were just in there like we were for that interview, the lighting, you would think, how in the world is this going to translate to the screen? Because it just looks like H.L. Phillips is standing in a he dark room. turned off all the and, lights. Yeah. We had a... It was the opposite of what you're supposed to do. <laughs> right. It literally was. But you know what he was doing? when He's, He was using that, that stupid window that was mm-hmm. above... He was using that as his light. The whole movie is... Aside from Denny Roberts, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else. The whole movie is natural light. I swear, there's Denny Roberts is the only one I can think of where we had him lit. Um, but but that H.L. Phillips, we had lights, and you can watch that in the production diaries. Like we we spent hours in there. I mean, literally, like probably 90 minutes trying to get lights set up and figure mm-hmm. out how to light it. And but yeah, Zach's that was an attention to detail from Zach on that shot. That yeah, that's. A, amazing oh he's lit literally the half of his body isn't is it's cool because like it's in shadow that or more shadow but the other half is like lit from that stupid window mm-hmm. and zach was seeing that now when we were in there i was looking at him i was like there's no way this looks right but then i'd look at zach's camera i was like what like it looks great yeah. so he was fooling around with his iso settings and all that stuff and just yeah i thought i totally agree mm-hmm. i didn't even think of that yeah sure. yeah Zach, a lot of do that. you want to talk about Zach? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Andy's bowing out on Zach. <laughs> Make me feel bad about it. Thanks. Um, it was amazing, like, with that interview. It was like seeing it, and we're like, it's all dark. And then I think I caught a glimpse of what it was on camera. I was like, 
wow. I mean, it looks perfect as opposed to, you know, the whole room is dark and then except for this like one light and then it just looks perfect on camera. It was amazing. There's like there that was an interview too where if we botched it or made it look bad or or screwed it up or something, it it would have ruined that scene for me. And HL is probably the most important single person we have on camera in that movie because he was someone that was there for the original. He's really he's the only person in the movie that was there for the original Ford incident and all that stuff. He was there for all that. And he's throughout the movie. And originally, I thought HL would be in and out. I thought he'd be in the Ford sequence. He'd he'd reference a little bit to the history. And he ends up probably in the movie more than almost anyone else, I would think. I think it's HL and John Attaway that are in the movie the most. Maybe Randy Crawford, too. Which was a surprise, too. But Crawford speaks to a lot of things. I kept finding that I would go back to Crawford when I needed a little comment about the original case or like the up you know sightings today and and even that 15 second tv shot spot i cut <laughs> i used that the sightings are still whatever he says yeah. like sightings are still going on today right he has a number of phrases mm-hmm. in his interview that yeah. are just so memorable well you said about you could have you wished the movie had been longer and oh, i was yeah. telling you like we have hours of interviews still that mm-hmm. uh, that i could potentially do a, a director's cut and the reason that's not the only reason I'd be excited to revisit this as a director's cut originally this was going to be a two disc set but two things kind of stopped that one was time but the other was money and like to create a two disc set is a lot more like there's a lot more money that has to go into that and that kind of stuff so we might revisit this one just to do a just to add some of these encounter stories and flesh out a couple things and and uh, maybe revisit it as a director's cut. But the big thing I want to do is is make a hour and a half, two hour long making of documentary because we have like twenty hours of behind the scenes footage, and some of this stuff is great. Like some of it, we don't have in the making of that's on the disc. You won't hear us talking to each other. It's pretty much just interviews and then footage over that. And then in the production diaries, that was all edited real quickly down in Falk, and that's mostly on there just to show you what it was like shooting but we have in-depth discussions on camera and all sorts of stuff that aaron shot that i'm hoping if we can do it behind the scenes we can we can go back into that which as long as i'm talking about aaron we should probably oh yeah did we jump over brandon though oh yeah. the other song uh the beanfield song when he's uh legend of boggy creek did you catch the, mm-hmm. that song what song that was so like during the beanfield sequence there's the song that's playing is Brandon's take on the song that plays over the opening of Legend of Boggy Creek when the kids running across the field. Oh wow! That, da, 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 mm-hmm. See, some of his stuff was so subtle mm-hmm. in this, like in a. I don't want to say it got lost because it didn't get lost, but it was it was so supporting the other stuff going on that it didn't stand out and say. Hey, look! You know, there's Check soundtrack music going on right now. That's because is- that's that's we just had this discussion. My, f- I think it was Brandon and I. My favorite, just to listen to his music, would be Minerva. Yeah. But his best movie score to this of the two was Whitehall, because even though Whitehall wasn't as flashy, I felt like Whitehall added so much to the overall story, and I think he built on that with this, to where now it's to the point where it is he's helping to tell the story mm-hmm. 
it's not yeah it's not like hey check out this awesome theme i've got going it's but that song that 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 beanfield scene during the three-toed track sequence that's the sequence where he he brings that original song in and kind of redoes it i thought that was really cool and i liked his take on uh hey travis crabtree yes so that sequence i like that crabtree scene a lot that'll probably go down as like one of my favorite things in the movie just Mm because i also feel like we got to know a little bit about Smokey, and i think we leave the movie feeling like he was a full fully fleshed out character somewhat in a very short period of time i mean his story is on screen for like crabtree sequence is one of the longer ones in the movie but it's still probably only like seven minutes seven eight minutes yeah i would definitely say if anybody is interested in Smokey's story it really behooves you to get your hands on his books because they're just, at, you would not believe the life that that guy lived. Mm-hmm. You just have to find out about him. And um, you know, I well, know you've talked about how how the Falk monster became his white whale, and that's really that's really true. That is, and I had that line in the movie originally. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think I took it out. I don't think the white whales. Yeah, you did. Yeah. I think you did. But there's something really compelling there about in the movie itself. It's his words about his son's experience and the whole idea of that happening to your son, you know, is just, it, that's, that's so, that goes deep. So that was, that was what was hitting me when I was watching the movie. And I'm going to try to put this into words without sounding like a crazy person <laughs> or like one of those guys who's like smoking pot or something. But it was, when I was watching the movie, it was hitting me that, the movie is so much about stories told people telling stories juxtaposed with these scenes of, well, this is what it's actually like to live these stories. So you've got HL telling these stories about his dad and you've got Randy telling stories about people he knew seeing things out in the woods and you've got John Attaway talking about his aunt and like all that kind of stuff going on. But then you get to Will's scene and Will actually saw something and it isn't like, this real fun, hey, creepy story. It's more like, you know, this thing really affected this guy. And the same thing happens then with Terry. And it's, so the whole movie jumps back and forth between, and it's really interesting to me because the movie, The Legend of Boggy Creek, is basically a retelling of all these things, but done in this dramatized way, you know, this very, like, you're learning a legend. Like, this is the building of the legend of Boggy Creek. And what we're doing is showing you, okay, here's the legend. So, like, listen to John Attaway, listen to HL, see this Ford sequence, which seems heightened and dramatized and all that stuff. The Ford sequence is really dramatized in our movie, too. Like, it's got the scary music. You got the Crabtree scene, which is, like, creepy and everything. But then, like, right after that, you're going to meet Terry Sutton, who, like, actually did see this thing as a kid, like like, uh, Lynn did. And, like, this is how it's affected him. And affected him to this day to where in the movie he says, uh, what scares me, the creature doesn't care, scare me, what, what scares me to this day is people. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think of that till I was watching it by myself and I was like, oh, wow, like that's kind of cool. Like the whole movie is about stories told, mm-hmm. like stories told by people who didn't live the stories and then stories told by the people who lived them and how they differ drastically one from the other. His is so valuable because, as he says in the film, he's never talked about this with anybody. Mm. And then when he does talk about it, it's so self-revealing. I, I mean, he's very um, forthright about how, 
you know, he has no interest in anybody coming and investigating this. He'd yeah. rather not yeah. deal with it. You can just see how it's affected him. And, and having spent just a slice of time with their family, you can see how credible this is. I mean, this, the people, you know, Lloyd is his dad, is that right? Mm-hmm. They have no reason to make this stuff up. They weren't seeking, you know, the opportunity to be in anybody's film. They, you could, you could tell they would just really be content to live their lives and, and go about their business. Um, and just there's a humility with the story that he tells. It's just you and really you, have to deal with that if you're a, a Bigfoot doubter or you know, or it's, well, what happened to him? I mean, you, you know, mentioned you mentioned how. Um, Lynn's stories told by his dad and like fathers and so and I posted on Facebook something about how like I really think the movie really is well that's one of the underlying things whether or not it's in there to where people can see it I don't know but like you have that scene you also have Terry and his dad like and those scenes are real close to each other I don't know if people are going to connect the two but there is a connection there that I think is really cool in that the Crabtree scene is all about Smokey and his sons and the Terry scene is all about Terry and his dad and like that's why Terry's dad is in the movie talking about that and then but the the other thing is like Charles Pierce and his kids and you know like Lyle talks about his dad at the beginning and and really I kind of wish I'd had him come back to that at some point you know like maybe I don't know what Lyle's background is, so I'm, I could be speaking out of turn here, but like it would have been interesting to hear him mention his father again, like bring up his dad again toward the end of the movie. I mean, I could, if I ever revisit this as a director's cut or whatever, that would be something cool to do. But um, there, there is a very family, familial aspect to this, like there is with all our other movies. Mm-hmm. So, But I think that night, Sunday night when I watched it, that was the first time I connected that whole... Uh, stories told like legends mm-hmm. like legends i mean it's a movie about legends yeah so it's pretty cool the truth behind the legend i'm glad that we use that as the tagline for the movie because you're seeing the the, the legends you're hearing the ford story and you're hearing the crabtree scene and then you're seeing also some of the reality like the, the you're getting to experience the reality you know from the people who actually did live you know their own legends like terry and doyle and those guys so yeah. Now, a lot of that Super 8-type footage, that was Jason... Jason Yudis, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, which is cool. And I don't think Jason... I haven't shown the movie to those guys. Zach has a link, and Brandon's seen it. Aaron and Jason haven't had a link yet. Mm-hmm. And and because I think we're all going to watch together, I'm, I'm hoping... like Because I don't think Zach's going to watch it. Zach watched it like three days before we finished it. So he's seen it in an almost finished cut, but without music. Um, so Jason, yeah, Jason Yudis is like one of my oldest friends and he's really good friends with Zach. And he went along to kind of be the coordinator. He was going to help coordinate things and he helped, he was a driver and he, you know, did all the stuff that everyone else that was there did, but he ended up walking around with this little like Japanese camera most of the time. And so, a lot of that footage that he shot is in the movie. So, like, the Cersei house... In fact, like, the first time you see it in the movie, I think, is the Cersei house scene. You get a glimpse of that. And when I say... So, there's there's a couple tricks in the movie. When I was talking about effects, there's 
eight millimeter footage that looks like actual eight millimeter footage. And then there's footage we shot with like the FS5 and the A7S and the next VG, like these modern cameras that I then threw a filter over to make look like eight millimeter. And you can clearly tell like you could, to me anyway, like when you're watching it, the stuff that Jason was shooting looks like eight millimeter. Mm-hmm. And then the other stuff, it still looks really cool, but it's, it's clearly like meant to just evoke eight millimeter. So like, yeah, Jason shot, a lot of that stuff and and then he drove around and and did all that so when in the making of i think i said something about how every i think like everyone shot something that's in the film or has a hand in in a shot because like there's a shot in the movie of like water rippling and that was andy throwing pebbles <laughs> you didn't shoot you didn't shoot the shot of lyle and will walking right no. that was aaron because mm-hmm. like i know you were out there with aaron yeah. when that shot was going on and you had been shooting bts right before mm-hmm. that so i don't i didn't i didn't i'm pretty know. sure that was aaron okay were there some shots in the behind in the, the behind the scenes that, that i in there yeah, yeah. that i know i did that most of it was cool. of aaron so it was someone else so, cool. so like this one was coming off of Whitehall, which is pretty much like I look at that movie and I'm like, shot the shot, shot, shot. <laughs> like everything mm-hmm. was shot by me. The sound was by Brandon. Like the whole movie is just us. And then this one where it's like, man, I don't even remember being in the, in the area when that was shot. Like the stuff on Carter Lake. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't there for that. I was up the hill stuck in the mud with you guys. <laughs> with right. you and Andy and, and Zach and Eudis while they were shooting mm-hmm. that. Like that, this was a really bizarre experience in that Whitehall was just Brandon and I and then it was just Brandon and I in the room editing and then this one was like this whole team of people filming and then the editing was pretty much me which I thought this would be a big group of people I really did like Mm -hmm. and I I was originally thinking like wow we'll show footage and like throw footage back and forth and like all that stuff but I had a really hard time finding the story for myself in this movie and we talked about that we've talked about that a few times but i had a really hard time latching onto the story emotionally until like a month ago like even after the rough cut was done so and you said that once that locked it just all went yeah it was a cersei scene i think yeah the cersei stuff is what and when I said the Cersei stuff, what I'm actually talking about is isn't the ending necessarily as much as it was that middle scene that isn't even in the movie now because we had to mm. take it out. But there was a scene in the movie that led up to an interview with Mary Beth Cersei, but we were denied access <laughs> to the interview, so it's not in the movie. But yeah, that was where everything kind of locked for me because mm-hmm. I really felt like I don't have an end to this story at all. But I, I mean, I wrote all the narration and... So that's what I mean about personal. It really, it really is like a, a, a very personal movie for me. Cause it's the first time I've got to do that much narration where I'm writing as much as I'm doing almost anything else. So I think this will be the one that I look back on probably and I'm most proud of, I'll, but I'll always think my hall is always going to be my baby. I, mm-hmm. I mean, even if, even if I, grow substantially beyond even this which obviously i, I will have to because like gotta improve every everything you do mm-hmm. and there's a lot of faults in this movie but the i think i'll always think whitehall was really like my baby sure aaron 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 gascon so yeah. aaron shot all the bts 
And you probably spent more time with Aaron than anyone else on the crew, right? Yeah, sort of. Because we like, I ignored you. Yeah, the if whole I saw, time. If I saw Andy, I think I like, he said yeah. one or two words the whole time we were down there. It was yeah. most. It was mostly high, like just like a Grumpy. reluctant. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah, but Aaron. Funny story about Aaron. So, sorry, I'm chewing nice again. I met Aaron maybe a month. I don't even know if it was that long before we went to Falk. Um he was a helper for a guy who was doing my floor and uh, we got to talking about the fact that he was a photographer and stuff and I was like why don't you come down to Falk with us and shoot behind the scenes for free and <laughs> you know like we'll give you a free chip trip or whatever and he's like sure so we brought him with us and I think like he was one of the most vital elements to the whole movie and even though he probably he's got two shots in the movie at least it might be more than that it might be three or four shots but he's got some shots in the movie it's not so much about what he did that's in the production it's like what he was doing behind the scenes we only have the gimbal because of Aaron if Aaron hadn't been there I mean have you thought about that fact because what happens if you don't have which people if I hear a complaint about this movie it's going to end up being we used the gimbal too much but listen with, without the gimbal, we wouldn't have had the footage going down Mercer Bayou. We don't have the footage on Carter Lake because we sh- we saw what handheld mm-hmm. looked like on those in those locations when we shot the Boggy Creek stuff. It's unusable. It's not even in the movie. We were on Boggy Creek, but it was all handheld and it looks awful. Once you get it on that gimbal, that was all because of Aaron. It's so like without Aaron, you don't have the gimbal. We don't have because Aaron got everything up and running. And then it, on top of that, he's shooting behind the scenes all day and then editing it at night till like two or three a.m. <laughs> like, and he's just one of those morale guys. Yeah, you know yeah. he was almost always up. I mean, when I saw him, yeah. the only time I can remember where he was down, there's two times uh, at the Sutton's house. He he like almost passed out. He had. Um, he was dehydrated, okay. which was a common problem with our guys. I kept having to sure. throw water at Zach, too, because Zach and Aaron didn't drink water ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so he almost passed out. We had to get him a granola bar. We have him on camera <laughs> eating this granola bar. I'm like, God, I don't want to have to take him to a hospital because like, I didn't know where a hospital even is right, there. there isn't one. Um, <laughs> Just hold on for the 20-minute yeah, drive. Back to, we're yeah. going to fill a bathtub with ice, and you'll be fine. Um <laughs> Uh, they should have a sponsorship deal with Ozarka bottled water because yeah, yeah. You know, somebody was always going to get a 24-pack of Ozarka water. I mean, that was one of the cool things about having this the massive amount of people there that we did was I felt like things that were beyond that I wouldn't have even noticed were taken care of without me even noticing. So like things like bottled water and all that stuff was mm-hmm. being taken care of. And part of that was just because there was so many people there. Someone was always yeah. like stepping up to do something. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were down there with like a freaking entourage. I mean, it really was like there were people that were there just to hang out. And so at times it was a little crazy, but um, I, I, I mean, it's weird. I was thinking today, like whatever we do next, it's not going to be that. It won't be like that. And it's not mm-hmm. that I'm saying it won't be that. I'm not doing that ever again. It's like that whatever we do next, because of what I'm looking at now, the the direction I'm thinking of taking Small Town Monsters is actually a step um, 
not a step back, but a step down from this scale. This was a massive scale thing, and we didn't we did it on next to no money, and it cost us a lot of money. So, so like what I'm trying to figure out now is you know like what can we do next? How can we kind of expand on what we do with Beast of Whitehall and all that stuff? And I'm thinking whatever it is, it's not going to be anything that has a crew of five guys, and you know you got another. 12 people following you around and stuff like that. Like it was just an intensely, there were times where it was very, I think Lyle always referred to it as almost like a circus. Cause like that one day where we had, where you guys were, it was, it was me and you and Andy and uh, Brandon and Aaron in the van. We still had like four other cars following yeah. us. I was yeah. in the back, way back, pretty much with the gear. That yeah, was fun. Yeah, no, making sure it didn't fall. Yeah, yeah, I think I caught some stuff. Once yeah, it was very interesting because when we showed up at, for the first day of filming, you know, I, I tend to sort of lay back in situations like that and try to observe, like who knows who, and what are the relationships. And I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> it was very confusing. I, I was first. there for the entire time from day one. <laughs> and I don't know yeah. beyond beyond my guys and you guys. Like, my guys. When I, it's, so this is what's weird is, like, when I say, for some reason, when I say my crew, I always think Zach, Udis, Jason, Aaron, because those are the guys that came down with us. But mm-hmm. when I say my crew, what I'm referring to is, like, this like the whole group like you guys included but you came down on two uh was it a monday it was like a monday or tuesday tuesday it was tuesday yeah so miller miller historical we were at the shooting heather right when you when you got in when we got when you got in we were actually at the miller county historical society shooting heather scene and they weren't letting you in and i was literally in the middle of an interview tossing my wallet to, to someone to go like try to take care of the yes situation yes. at the hotel mm-hmm. yeah um, I remember that now That'd yeah fun chaos um but yeah so there was um just it was a crazy like big 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 thing I mean if to to anyone who makes actual movies not that we not you know what I mean though like mm-hmm. cr- movies with crews and actors and all that stuff this would seem like your buds like out but to me who's made a movie with even on Minerva, the most people we ever had out on any given day was four, three or four people. And it, with this movie, at the least, there were seven or eight people. Mm-hmm. At the least. And it would get, I mean, it would get way more than that. You know, like, we, we when we were at the Monster Mart, we, I keep thinking about the day that we were shooting Will's interview. Yeah. Because we had like another three cars or something with us following around that day. Mm-hmm. And there were already a lot of us. So it was, yeah. I don't know. I'm watching the movie with you guys tonight, and it's just, it still hasn't hit me, though. Like, I still don't have that, like, completion feeling. Like, I, I don't know, but I don't know if I ever do, like, because I don't think I ever got that feeling with Whitehall. I still watch Whitehall, and I'm like, I want to go back and fix this little thing. And with this one, there's a lot of little technical things I'm noticing that I, and, and the good thing is, like, we can fix those. We can fix video files and all that for Amazon. We can fix it up a little bit for Amazon. We can fix it up for this venue and that venue. So, like, I'm sure I'll still be tweaking for weeks or months or years or whatever. Yeah. So, And the fact that you can tweak just enables yeah more tweaking right a lot of tweaking <laughs> um i don't know what we want to talk about 
It's been an hour. We've killed an hour already with the show. What should we talk about with the movie to kind of wrap up? Anything or trip or what? Is it? It's. A, it was a. And it's the biggest. Is the biggest thing I did this year. Yeah. My entire year has been this, you know. And then when you throw in a baby, <laughs> right? And like, you know, like we did. We we had a meeting today at work, and afterward I went the my boss like the guy that's at the head of the company or whatever is like hey don't don't leave and i was like oh <laughs> like so like i i came over and here he was just like congratulating me on the baby and one of the vps was like so you excited i was like yeah like i i can't wait to be a dad but also like i've been trying to finish up this movie that is this massive part of my life for the last year like i feel like i haven't even been able to really revel in the fact that i'm about to be a dad because this thing is this is all I've done for the last since since August, and this is it. And we and that's not an exaggeration. We came, Adrian and I went to. So so what was supposed to happen is movie was supposed to be done last Thursday. We missed the deadline, so I had to leave Friday afternoon to go to New York to do Lake Chautauqua Bigfoot Expo. Mm-hmm. We go to that and do the Bigfoot Expo. Originally, we had a free cottage down there. Originally, we were supposed to go down there stay and come back Sunday just have like a nice weekend getaway movie didn't get done so instead we're like rushing through Friday afternoon Saturday and then coming home Saturday evening so I can get up at 6am the next morning and start working on the movie and so from Sunday until Tuesday I slept maybe like 6 hours I was up I was up on Sunday night from like 4.30am until I got up at like 630 and then worked on the movie all day again. And this wasn't like fun working either. That's the other thing is like, it was com- dealing with computer crashes, exporting problems, getting the movie in a format that I can upload it, you know, so people can watch it on DVD and stuff. But I was, I, was, I mean, that was yeah. the most draining thing I've done in a long time. And it was on Tuesday, I realized like, you know what? If they, they don't have the ISO file for the DVD by like tomorrow these dvds aren't getting here in time for the premiere (laughs) oh so then it got like real crazy because we've always dealt with deadlines but this was like the craziest um so yeah this is like all i've lived for the last year and and you could trace that back to october of last year when dad and i went down to uh, to falc and i announced that we were working on it because i started working on the kickstarter right then lyle and i shot the kickstarter video down at the monster mart came back I started editing Whitehall, and we put out Whitehall April 1st, but all along, we had that first Applebee's meeting. When was that? Like February last year? Something like yeah. that, like on the rainiest night in yeah. February. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome, yeah. though. I mean, this has been like the craziest, best year ever for mm-hmm. us, because we moved in January into temporary housing. Mm-hmm. Then we, you know, we knew that this trip was coming up, and we did it. And then, like a couple weeks after getting home from that trip, not any more than that, then we moved in. You know, we bought a house, we moved into a new house. <laughs> so it's just been one crazy thing after another. And sometimes Andy and I'll just sort of look at each other and say, "You remember when we were in Monster Mart with Lyle?" or you know, do you remember just recalling things from the Falk trip? And it's just, 
it's just unbelievable that with, it happened. Yeah, with me, it's probably at least once a day. I go, oh, remember when this happened? Like something just randomly reminds me of something that happened down there. And, you know, whether it was, you know, being stuck on the muddy road or getting to see Boggy Creek for the first time. It's just all this random stuff just collides probably once a day. And you know how much the original movie meant yeah. to me in terms of just feeling like, wow, well, there's other people who are interested in this subject. So to be a part of this, it just makes a a great year. I mean, it just caps it all off. It's so cool. Yeah, and I mean, for the for the because we inevitably get people that complain about the show, the episodes where we talk about the movies. Like this one was just like the others. I mean, I've I've defended our decision to talk about the movies on every mm-hmm. episode we've done, but like this one was is literally Mark and I made this movie. I mean, Mark was down there for the thing, so it's literally a Sasquatch movie. I mean, if you want to look at it that way, you could. Um. So. So yeah, I mean, this was extremely personal, and my brain is still recovering. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I, but I think this time next year or maybe sooner I'll be able to like look at it in the rear view and like really appreciate the the all the different aspects of it because like I said to Zach I got out of I got out of my car when we shot the those interviews I did for of Aaron and you know how I put Aaron and and uh Zach at the table and then Jason and Brandon at the table mm-hmm. and shot those interviews and the behind the scenes thing um I got out of the car there at Aaron's house and um, uh, Zach was getting out of his car and I, I I looked at Zach and I was like hey how did we go from like not speaking to each other for like five to eight eight to five, five to eight this is a long period of time where we, we lost contact because mm-hmm. Zach moved off to Orlando went to film school and then he moved out to LA and he, I mean it's longer than that it's probably like six or seven years I hadn't seen him since probably 2007 so I mean it's it's it, no, I saw him after that. But anyway, it was a long time. It was before I started dating Adrian. So I was like, how did we go from not seeing each other at all to like, I see you all the time and like, we're making this movie together. Yeah. I mean, so just that and then like you guys coming down or like that trip that my dad and I took there last year was the best time I've ever had with my dad. Like mm-hmm. I never, I took a photo. It's still on my phone. I took, I think I've told, did I tell you about the photo of my dad like sleeping in the car? It's my favorite photo. It's my favorite photo of my dad. Live reaction of the photo. Um, right now. But it's absolutely my favorite photo of my dad because he looks so peaceful and he's like sleeping in the car. <laughs> but like that was that was an absolutely. And he's wearing a Sasquatch shirt. Oh, I have seen that. Yeah. <laughs> That's. <laughs> yeah, and like I I don't know. It just mm-hmm. that trip that trip with my dad was like. And and Dad and I have gone, you know, we went to Whitehall and all that stuff, but mm-hmm. I hadn't, I don't know, something about spending that trip with my dad was extremely special. So, again, like going back to the fathers and sons mm-hmm. or children and their dads or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when I look, I'll probably inevitably look back on all of this and be like, holy crap. Like, there's so many different amazing parts to this year. And then you throw in the fact that, oh, hey, you're a dad. Like, you're going to be a dad yourself. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I'm not there yet. Like I, I I'm kind of there, but I'm not there. Like I still am in like work mode or something with the movie. So, well, and you know what? Having 
haven't gone down that road. It it's it's real and it's exciting, but it for the dad, it's not really real until you've got a baby in your arms. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, "Oh boy." Yeah. Then yeah, it's we heard, a we whole heard the heartbeat level. today, by the way. Today? Yeah, we were that's when when we were at that doctor appointment. That so that was my She had heard it before, but I wasn't in the room when okay. they did it the first time, so this is my first time yeah. to hear it. It's like crazy yeah. fast, right? It is. It is. It's insane. It's like a hummingbird. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of, it kind of scared me, but it was kind of Andrews adorable. Andrews is still that way. <laughs> yeah, like it's got double speed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 155 is what they said? Yeah. Yeah. That's fast. Uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, unbelievable. Just, to try to sum up the experience of making this movie is not... I mean, we tried to do it in the bank making of documentary. I've tried to do it on the show, but there, there's so many things that happened during the course of making the movie that you'll never be able. I'll never be able to do it. We had people, what two hundred some people or whatever, give us seventeen thousand dollars to make the movie after asking for nine. Right, like, and that's something that slipped my mind. So that's how much has happened during the making of this movie mm-hmm. that I have actually forgotten about that fact while I'm trying to recall the things that have happened. You know, so th- and I'm sure I'm forgetting another thousand things that are connected with it, but there's there was an endless stream of stuff that happened while we were making this that I'll I will always fondly remember that far outweigh anything that you could have seen as a downside, and even the downsides like the things you know like losing your temper or that migraine I had your first day there. Yeah, I mean right. like. That stuff is all just kind of like this funny part of the trip now to me. Like, it's not... (laughs) Remember that migraine? I literally barely functioned during that interview. (laughs) So, yeah. The trip itself, I'm so glad. Because you guys got to see all this behind the scenes. It's so cool. There's so much stuff. And what you're seeing, when when people watch the DVD, there's uh, an hour... Or there's 70... There's almost 80 minutes. There might be 80 minutes, about 80 minutes of extras. And a lot of that is behind the scenes content. And you're barely scratching mm-hmm. the surface of what we have, like behind the scenes stuff, funny stuff too. Yeah. So, but yeah, great experience. Great Sasswat experience too. Do we record anything down there? For no. Sasswat? There was we no down time. There. Yeah, that's true. Andy and I did a Monsterland Ohio That's it, episode where you, yeah. standing on the Sutton's lawn. Yep. And I'm really glad that we did that because mm-hmm. I go back and listen to that now sometimes just to jog my memory of yeah. things that we did. I really wish I would have journaled mm-hmm. each day that we were there. Yeah. But again, I mean, there's just no opportunity to do that. Yeah. By the time you get back to your room, you're just trying to You go to bed, grab some up. sleep. It really was. It was, it was, it, I, I've said it's like boot camp, but that's kind of insulting. It was like day camp. I mean, it was, <laughs> or, or, or summer camp yeah. or whatever. I mean, um, wrapping up, what do we want to wrap up with? Did we just wrap up? I, that's just, a pretty good wrap up. Mm-hmm. All right. What, what do you think, sir? About what? Just Your final life. thoughts uh-huh. on <laughs> the Falk phenomenon. Uh, it's said in the movie that you're part of the movie. I really, I felt that. I felt that, you know, going down there, the trip down there, and just experiencing Fauk, you really do feel like you're a part of the legend after you go down there. I really feel, you know, like I was down there. 
and that, that makes me immensely happy. But then I take a step back and it's like, wait, I was down there for this. It's just all this amazingly true stuff that will be remembered for years to come.